This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter, at Burns23. Follow at your own follow risk. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Blue Check Verify himself, the president of the Wakanda International Exchange, <laughs> Jamar Tisby. What's up, bro? Brother, Tyler, just, just Long give me live a the king, minute. Bro. Long live the king. Bro, just give me a minute to take that in. We just saw the Black Panther movie. I just saw it for the first time. Yeah. You for the second you got time. got that glow. Oh, yeah. You're I really got speechless. Glow. You're like oh, pacing back and forth. You're sweating. Yo, I'm saying. I, I, like, literally speechless. When we came out of the theater and we were just waiting for folks to gather so we could come over to the venue, I was just wandering around, man. I, I was tell. just like. I couldn't find you. I was still in Wakanda. I was still in Wakanda. So it was just that powerful. And I'll say this. I'll say it like this. I have been emotional watching many movies about the tragedy of the black experience. I have never been this emotional watching a movie about the joy and triumph of the mm. black experience. That's so you already, now you, so you gotta wait, we gotta introduce the audience and all that. You just look, like, look, uh, uh, what, man, come on. Look, I'm telling you, you asked me how, I can't, I, okay, Jamar, I'm gonna try to, Jamar. okay, I'm gonna shift it back Okay, down. let's pause I'm and tell people we are, we are at the first stop of the PTM live tour. There you go. In my hood, my city, you Pensacola, done all that Florida. You talked to me. Listen. I was trusting that you was going to pass it back you to know, me. You know that, right? You know you can't do it after this and movie. And the, the laughs that you hear, the reaction you hear, are from our live audience. Can we give it up for Make the live audience yourselves? And I want to shout out my church, New Dimensions Christian yes. Center, for allowing us to be here. And also, Miss Darby Meads for doing a phenomenal job on the catering. Y'all like that food? Woo! Them sirloin tips. Mm. So we just saw Black Panther. What did y'all think about Black Panther? Audible reactions. Crazy. So, Jamar, let me ask you this. Was this what you were expecting? Was it, was it not what you were expecting? In what ways did it meet or surpass your expectations? I mean, we, we really don't have a category for this kind of a movie, right? Like, it's, it's not just uh, depicting black people in a positive manner. It's creating an entire nation with its own history its own mythology, its, its, its own culture, and all of these things. And so, I, I mean, like, was it what I expected? It was way beyond, you know, way better. But at, at the same time, there's, there's hardly a basis for comparison. Not that there haven't been other black superheroes or things like this, but on this scale, with this kind of backing, with this kind of uh, popularity and advertising and hype, and it lived up to everything people said. My goodness. Yeah, and so leading up to the film, there was kind of this, this questioning about why was Black Panther this important to people? Because there have been other black superheroes. Um, we can go all the way back to, to Meteor Man, actually. Mm -hmm. We can go to Blade, which started kind of this run of, of comic super, uh, um, uh, superheroes and, and people who were going to come on the big screen. We can talk about Storm. Um, Luke Cage was obviously represented on Netflix. 
And we have Black, Black Lightning on CW. There's a lot of different Black superheroes that we've seen, but this was unique in the sense that it created an entire nation. It created a fictional place where, where Black people and people of the diaspora were able to express themselves fully without any colonization. So that's the unique thing about Wakanda, is that it hasn't been colonized, it hasn't been you know, taken captive by um, any sort of outside forces, no country has come in and taken it over, and so it stands unique as kind of this opportunity. And so there's this, there's this idea that Wakanda is this beautiful place, and we thought it, and if you've, heard, if you've read the comics, if you follow Black Panther, then you know that it's a beautiful place visually on, on the page, but no one had brought it to life on screen. And so they took $200 million and poured it into just this amazing film. So what did you like the most about the movie? I don't know, but I'll tell you my, 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 no, you got to answer the question. No, you I'll tell you question. my impression you because everything you're talking about is just, it's, it's going to lead somewhere. When, when they first entered, um, in the ship, this advanced hovercraft yes. ship, and uh, T'Challa says, this never gets old. Yes. And, he, and, and they break the, the illusion and, and you get cry. into Rakanda. You cry. Yes, I yes. teared up, I did, bro. I did too. I did too. I teared up. And this is in like the first seven minutes of the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you cry? Because as if for a brief moment, I got back everything that had been stolen from mm. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a nation, an identity, a history, a dignity, technology, technology, and when you went, when you when you when you when you pass through that veil, yeah, all right, watch watch out dog. when you watch pass out, through dog. that veil, watch out, dog. two boys, okay, hey, we in the church, watch um, out, dog. when you pass through that veil and you see your nation, yeah, as it was meant to be, in all its splendor, in all its splendor, it does something to you. Hmm. It does something to you. So that's what it was. So I think the reason why Wakanda has always been so special to me is because it, it, it takes the premise of our current experience in our context culturally in America and says, what would we be if not for slavery, if not for segregation, if not for um, dehumanization? What would we be without that legacy? And I think that's appealing to a lot of people. But I think this movie does something very interesting by really not even thinking about that in the sense that there are no references to any other superheroes in this film until the very end. Did you guys notice that? No references. In most Marvel films, they'll point to something outside of the, the, that particular standalone superhero movie. So they'll point to the big event. You, know, you see it even on Netflix and the TV shows. They point to the big event. They point to other superheroes. They point to that big green guy. But they did none of that here. 99% of the references were set in Wakanda about Wakanda and about what Wakanda should do for the outside world. But it doesn't even acknowledge anyone else. So, see, sometimes I feel like what we do in these types of environments is we, we write things intentionally as a response, which is what Black Panther was written as. But the movie takes a different approach and says... We can do an entire movie, make it beautiful, and not really reference anyone else who would come in and impose themselves. So it's almost as if not only is T'Challa the, the superhero of Wakanda, in their universe, he's the only superhero. Mm. He's yes. it. That's yes. it. There's nobody else. It's just T'Challa. I'm curious, and maybe other people are too, you said in the comics, or the, the genesis of the comic books was a little bit as a response. What Can you... 
flesh that out and talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Black Panther was started by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and I'm looking over at Bo to make sure I'm going to watch him for <laughs> approval to get that now to make sure I get everything right. So Resident it started Geek, by yes. Jack, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and the funny thing is Black Panther was started three months before the Black Panther Party. I mean, this crazy act of, of coincidence. It was started three months before the Black Panther Party ever came into existence. And so because of that, they changed the name at one point. He was going as Black Leopard. And then there was even this, this um, debate about whether or not he should show any of his face. So for marketability purposes, what they did was they said, we're going to have our comic artists draw a full mask. But Jack Kirby, in response to that, would always draw half the mask to show his face because he wanted half a mask, half face. And then he would say the, the other artist would have to draw it in. It was kind of his act of, of protest. Wow. And so it was written directly in response for the idea of representation for a group of people um, that was set in a completely different way. So the origin stories of black superheroes were different. They were based upon crime or based upon a, a negative background or based upon growing up in the rough part of town, whatever the stereotypes are. Uh, and this was a, a completely separate, altogether idea. So it was written kind of in response to that. But then the movie takes it and just completely flips it and says, let's take you into an internal conversation between black Americans and African immigrants. Right. <laughs> and let's take you into a completely different conversation about those who have and those who do not have and what the responsibility is for the people who share the same skin tone who have to those who don't. And so it's just this really interesting subversion that I think is genius on the part of Ryan Coogler to not make this, to make the implicit presence of the movie the statement rather than saying, hey, well, let's go and lecture Captain America about what he could have done and let's go lecture this guy. Um, no, Captain America uses the vibranium shield and if he needs another one, we'll get him one. But I mean, you know, as of right now, he doesn't exist. It's just, it's, it's just so fascinating that... None of the other, they don't reference any of the Avengers. They don't reference Civil War. They, they do at the beginning. They're like, ah, oh, the guy's been apprehended. And the child's like, all right, I'm going to go now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, what? And it's, so, so it's, it's, it's this nation and a people which are usually on the margins and the periphery brought to the center. And they're even seen as on the margins because yes. people don't know what they're capable of. Right, exactly. They don't know what they're capable of. Hiding underneath the surface of the, the primitive presentation the primitive presentation right, okay i'm right, looking at you right. um, <laughs> is 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 something beautiful and it's something altogether unique and it's something that the world needs yes and what was i think part of what is such an experience about this film is the the focus on the african diaspora right sure. so it's not just based in the united states it's not based in the united states hardly at all except right. for some scenes right and so it pulls you to another continent. It pulls you to another country, but it also connects them. Mm. And and at one point, uh, Killmonger says, "Aren't didn't didn't all life come from Africa?" Okay, we got to wait, 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 wait for Killmonger. Wait for Killmonger. Okay, we're get, not going. Gotta get wait, my gotta I'm get my saying, Killmonger in. I'm just come on, talking man, about. I'm just talking minute. about the unity okay. of the African just, diaspora. But I'm just saying, right? hang on, hang on, bro, hang on. Wait, and wait so, for the Killmonger. And so, and so that that was one of the things because it pulls us Americans outside of our. Yeah. experience hmm. it pulls us outside of the stereotype of black people in america and of africans um, too and of africans absolutely and so it, yeah so that was one of the things and that's tough to pull off so let's talk about why that's that's able to be pulled off and it's because of the cast yeah so the cast was absolutely phenomenal absolutely 
phenomenal. And Tour someone actually made this point, and I really, I think it was Tanahasi. Tanahasi made this point, and I paused when I when he said it, and I was like, nah. He said, you know, this is the most talent Marvel's ever compiled, and I was like, nah. Well, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> So I think maybe the only on-paper comparison would be Doctor Strange, because Doctor Strange has a lot of people with awards. But if we take the depth of the cast, I mean, Angela Bassett was just like, she she barely got screen time. Forrest Whitaker died, spoiler. Um, <laughs> you know, they killed off Michael they, B. Jordan. They killed more allegedly. talent than a lot of have in the whole cast. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the cast displays that diversity, but the cast kind of seems to come together in a way to display each a, a different type of complexity. Yes. Each a different type of narrative. Who's your favorite character? So oh, no, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you, listen, okay. I'm going to make you pick. Little sister. Shuri, okay. Shuri, she stole the, every scene she was in. It was he amazing. He said, both said future, future Iron, Man. Iron Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. Yes, I'm going to get the t-shirt and everything. Yes. What did you like the most about her character? She was the little sister, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, it's too tight. Can we get this over with? Yeah, you know? She has some sass and whatnot. But she was a scholar. She is a serious scientist, right? Um, Mm -hmm. A genius. Uh, And she was down for the struggle. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. She was there. She was always there. But she she was her own woman, like all the women in the cast, right? But I just thought there was... I mean, look, I was telling Elodie that... You know, aside from sort of the representation. Elodie, you aspect. part of the Dora, Dora Milaje? You part of the Dora Milaje on the slide? You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, aside from the general representation, women were the movie. Yeah. And that was a beautiful thing Ooh. to see. I, you know what I really like about this movie is that T'Challa is the main character, but it's not about the man. It's about the people. And I feel like T'Challa was the thing that kept the movie going, but he was not the thing that, that everything was about. So it wasn't really revolving. Everyone had a complex art. Um, so I got to talk about um, Denai Guerrero's character. I believe her name is Nkoye. Nkoye. Um, she was phenomenal. The leader of the Dora Milaje. My goodness. Filled with principle, filled with complexity, nuance, love, strength, fury. And then, of course, I'm going to pick another character um, because we're going to talk about Killmonger. He would be number two, but I- I'd say M'Baku, definitely. Wow. Leader of the Jabari that tribe. Was- awesome he was hilarious he was yes. funny <laughs> but then he was also very strong he doesn't seem in awe of t'challa and everyone else seems in awe of him in some way shape or form even michael b jordan's even killmonger seems in awe of what t'challa has mm-hmm. like he's in i want what you have but mbaku's like man i have something outside of that and even though i challenge you you know, it's fine. I'll help you. And then when you ask me for more help, I say no. But then I'll end up helping you. It was an incredible act of strength and humility mm. when they had to reject the heart shape. To reject herb. the yeah. heart shape herb right. and give it to the king that was clinging to life. So let's talk about this. Two Euro characters. Only two. Martin Freeman plays Agent Ross. And then Andy Serkis does a phenomenal job playing Claw. Yeah. Like, just off his rocket. How do you yes. feel like they treated non-black characters in the movie? <laughs> I was curious because, you know, it's 98%, it's 95%, yeah. it's 90%. How do you feel like they treated non-black characters in the movie? I think it was summed up when they were in M'Baku's throne room. 
<laughs> now, it's not Christian for y'all to do that. I know some of y'all are thinking. Some of y'all are thinking. It's a movie. It's yeah. a movie. Next time someone comes to collect a bill, you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> nah, don't be doing that. That's not, that's not the way of Christ. Um, but it was, it was part of the, the reversal, right? Where, where usually in any movie or even in real life, no matter how small the number, the white people in the room are dictating what's happening. Not here. Not in Wakanda. And they weren't, if you think about it from a macro level, I mean, he didn't have the rights of a Wakandan. Right. But they saved his life, right? Absolutely. They were, they were taking care of him. Uh, they let him be part of that. They let him into their secret world. But and then you want to come and, and tell us what you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to happen. You know what I'm it's saying? Very interesting. So how did, it, what do I think of how they treated? I yeah. think it's, I think it was fair. Yeah. Yeah. Fair in their world. Yeah. Fair in our world, too? If you want to come into a black space, yeah. Build on that. All right. So it's not disrespectful. I think it's humility. You, you are coming into somebody else's culture, somebody else's tradition, mm -hmm. and they're letting you in, right? Right. right. Um, at great risk. Absolutely. Let's not miss the risk here okay because in the movie he was a cia agent he could have reported anything he wanted to that they didn't necessarily want him to report so they were taking a risk by letting him in and he was used to just kind of you know saying what he wanted to say he was used to dictating. like you know setting the lineup for the conference yes he was used to he was used to doing that yeah exactly oh. And so, so we let him in and then he takes and takes then over the lineup. Okay. right it's yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. that's interesting Jamal. We, I'm just going to throw that out there. We'll leave it. We'll let people expound but on look, it in a second segment. But look, at the end segment. of the day, they even trusted him with a critical task. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was disrespectful at all. I think it's what minorities often have to do in general hmm. is uh, go into a space that they don't have control over and sort of basically wait for the people in charge to give them permission to do X, Y, Z, but that's in an unjust manner. I don't think this was in an unjust manner. Okay, well, this leads us to Killmonger, all right? Hashtag Killmonger had a point. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been telling y'all from day one, I just want to say this, yes, okay? Yeah, hard for Killmonger. I've been telling y'all at, at, at every live podcast, I've said, look, man, Killmonger, if they do it right, it's going to be very interesting to see how people perceive it. It's going to be very interesting to see how people take his political persuasion. And I think Killmonger is a representation of, you know, someone said, someone said Kill, Killmonger is a hotel. Um, <laughs> 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 shout out to Bradford. Bradford said Killmonger is a hotel. Uh, so I just laughed when he said that. But I'm kind of thinking, yeah, that's kind of true, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, Killmonger would be the guy like, you know, uh, in your inbox, you know, leaving you messages and things like that. But I think Killmonger as a character was very deftly handled because I think they showed an internal conversation of, in the civil rights movement, it was redemptive nonviolence and tactical nonviolence, two like completely different things in the sense of redemptive nonviolence seeks to redeem and move the hearts and minds of the people. And tactical nonviolence was seen as this 
we don't care if hearts and minds are changed. We just want to do whatever it takes to get the law changed. Both were nonviolent. But in this case, he, he used whatever he could. I'll tell you, that scene where he is in throne room with T'Challa is one of my favorite Marvel scenes ever. Why is that? Because it seemed like in the moment he kept asking them, ask me who I am. He kept telling them, ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. And when he said it, I felt like he had been holding that in for his entire life. Yeah. To finally declare, this is who I am. And you can't turn, turn away from me. I'm one of you. Which... I'm one of you. And that was kind of the pinnacle of his life because he was able to finally assert his identity and finally able to say who he was. So Killmonger's critiques Wakanda. Would you agree with Killmonger's critique? In 2018, yes. The question, okay. the question that, that makes it complicated for me is, would Wakanda have been Wakanda if that had been the philosophy from the jump? You know what I mean? If, would they have built the society they built with the confidence and the swag and the tech that they had if they had had those permeable boundaries from the jump? And so I think in 2018, you've got to recognize that the ground has shifted uh, worldwide, globally, and in Wakanda with the shift of a king and everything like that. To where that's a that's a very salient conversation, but I think it would be simplistic of us to say, well, all the kings should have been helping out all the time and could have prevented all of these disasters that happened to African people. Yeah, like someone someone told me this uh, recently, Octavius Newman. I want to shout him out for this because he was talking. He said, "Man, you know, if if Wakanda existed now, if we found out Wakanda existed, we would be upset. We'd be like, y'all had all this." And we were sitting over here, and y'all, we just sat through slavery, we just sat through Jim Crow, we just, and y'all not, what? Like, he was like, man, come on, like, I would be upset. Now, at first I was like, nah, I mean, I would, yeah, I would be upset, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we're like, oh, if we're good, let's move to Wakanda. Nah, man, we'd be upset with Wakanda. And so I think it's, it's a question, though, is do the people who have have a responsibility to those who don't? I think is even trickier than that. What Good. level of responsibility, right? So he says, I'm the king of Wakanda, not the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and then it's easy to say, well, people are suffering, people help. But the reason why it's hard in the real world is because there are trade-offs, right? There are trade-offs. If they had, and I'm not arguing that they should not, that they should have been closer, that the history of their nation should have gone as it did. I'm just saying it's too easy as a newcomer to Wakanda to say, y'all should have done it this way, X, Y, Z way, right? Um, now, that being said, I'm, I would have been ticked too. <laughs> I would have been real mad. And, and I would have been asking for, where's my share? Do you think that there's going to be an ongoing conversation about this? Or is the, is the movie, I think, it's, I think this is an ongoing conversation. Because I think the way that Killmonger went out, and, and an important thing is Killmonger dies a few times in the comics, but he is revived. So I don't think they're done with that character. But it's important to kind of see, especially with the setting of Infinity War in the next movie, how they take that conversation. Let me talk to you about a couple of more things before we, we wrap up this segment. But how did you feel about the costumes? I thought the costumes were mercy. phenomenal. I, you know, I didn't notice this is why we see it multiple times, but T'Challa has some shorts on when he was in that challenge. The first challenge, he has some, some purple and black shorts with the gold. But woo! 
bro. I was, I was like, yo. And then that jacket in uh, South Korea, that yes, jacket that he had. Yes, in the, yes. In, I was like, I looked at my dad. I was like, yo, I need that jacket. No. I know you know somebody that got that the, jacket. The so. trench coat type deal he had, he was walking the, back the, into the with throne the, with, with the, the kente cloth. Yes. <laughs> he pared that sucker out. I was like, okay. He wore it better than Neo. Look, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You you wrong. <laughs> but the costumes were phenomenal. They and were. I think they, I was very concerned about how they were going to portray this side of African culture. I was very concerned. But I think they brought in the right people and the way that they dressed even even Michael B Jordan's character mm. um and especially Vidor Malaje, everyone it was just dignifying and regal. Because this is a very, it has a lot of theater to it. It's a, yes. it's a movie that's very heavy. It felt like a, a play more than anything else. It was, was very strategic in how they presented things. And then let's talk about the music, man. Oh, man. The music, man, sets the mood. It, they, they take, it seems, in this movie and represent all the best of black culture from a fashion standpoint, from a musical standpoint, from the internal conversations, acting, action, physicality. Intimacy, all these things are portrayed within this film. So, how'd you feel about the music? I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop since it came out, and uh, I think it's it just like you said. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a wonderful assemblage of talent, but it's also a blend that feels African, but it also feels hip hop. You yeah. know, and that's yeah, Michael like, B. Jordan. They gave Michael B. Jordan some good woo, woo. Man, some bangers, man. I'm telling you. So it went well. I mean, it all flowed together. The aesthetic of the movie was just right. seamless from the clothing to the language to yeah. the font that they used, right? And even how they how they, they went back and forth from their language. I love right, that. Right, like right, right. We can speak in our native tongue or we cannot. Yes, yes, You know, yes. They, they code switched. And they can will. speak Korean. Yeah, you know, or, just we, like we whatever. Just, yeah, and yeah. then so she's looking like, oh, okay, I see you because I know what you said. <laughs> I can't let you know I know what you said. I love that. But man. then I also loved, and this is, I think, all part of it, it's just one fabric, it's one whole, the, the honoring of the ancestors, hmm. right? Like they, it was such a strong tradition of knowing who you are because of where you came yeah. from, right? Sankofa, yeah, Sankofa. You know? And so that was a, just a beautiful thing, especially in a North American context where maybe we can go back two, three generations, but we can't go all the way, you know, a lot of us. So let's end with this. What didn't you like? What we not finna do <laughs> in 2018 is say anything bad about Black Panther. Um, <laughs> nah, we so. are. What you, what you, what you, uh, nah. I'm just saying, I was what, just like, what do you think, no, think could have been improved upon? Okay, okay. so I, I think... Um, or expounded upon or developed. So there was entering into uh, the, the ultimate conflict between Killmonger and T'Challa. It was very... You felt very conflicted. Like, you would go either way. Um, you know, do you, do you follow the tradition no matter who's on the throne? Or do you follow... A, a person who you really admire or an ideal that you mm. think the current person on the throne isn't following? A very relevant question. A very relevant question. And but so up to that point, I felt like there was genuine tension. As it progressed though, I thought that um Killmonger's character became a little too easy to dislike. 
Ah, uh, uh, that's good, bro. That's good. And then I, it was I, easy I think to take sides. Especially for the way he treated black women. I think that is especially. Yes. That yes. is especially the way he treated women. He seemed to, to save a level of brutality for women. Right. That right. I think was, was off-putting and unsettling. Is very unsettling. You know, to laugh while killing someone. Right. You know, to, to lift an elderly black woman. Um, by her throat, right? You know, it's just very uh, kind of some unsettling, uncomfortable yeah. imagery. But up to the point where he actually takes the throne and then does what he does, you're like, uh, you know, Killmonger has a point. Hashtag, it's right? a hashtag, bro. So, so I thought they could have let that complexity rest right. some more and okay. and and carried that yeah. through the movie. What about you? I would have loved to have heard a little bit more about. It seems like they moved on from T'Chaka's death in a way that was very weird. I think they moved on a little too quickly. I would love to hear what his mom thought a little bit more, kind of her wrestles. How do they handle grief in that society? How do they handle grief in that culture? And it seems like they moved on. It was just next man up. Wakanda's amazing. You're good. You know, we're going to do the thing. And you, you can't, you know? And so I was kind of like, well, you know, I mean, does anybody mourning? Is there a funeral involved? Like, what is all this, you know? So I would love to see how they treated grief in that context. That's good. And, and then I also feel like Wakabi didn't have enough to work with. So we love Daniel Kaluuya because he was in Get Out. But, I mean, Wakabi didn't have enough <laughs> to work right. with. And so he was just giving people, you know, that kind of look where he was just like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Side I'm like, eye. but, you know, and, and I mean, his, his, his switch. I mean, he's grown up with T'Challa, apparently. Yeah, that happens And he's like, oh, okay, I'm with Killmonger now. You know what I'm like, man? That's to a little point, too it's like easy. Almost a civil war, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah. a lot of Wakandans died for you just to sit here and, and feel like there was no struggle, there was no wrestle. I heard him and he had a point, and that was it. And then flips back. Yeah, he, and he's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, All right, right. Well, you yeah. know, 100 people die, but oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I surrender. Lay down my sword, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was part. that was very interesting. Um, the other part I thought would just, it, it, it's just it, something I thought of that uh, that I would love to see explored is the entire movie is told from the perspective of the royalty and the elite. And so what about like yeah, the rest what about the, of Wakanda? Yeah, what about the you know shops what and everything? They're you walking know, through the shops. The peoples. With the guards, yes. they feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, yeah. now yeah. that's true. That's so. true. So a lot to, lot to chew on. Listen, we're going to get some of our Pastor Mike listeners in on this next segment. We're going to get Bo in on this next segment. This was awesome. It was a great experience. You are Wakanda forever, though. Even even with your critiques, Man. you're Wakanda forever. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm going to see it about 50 more times. Yeah, this thing got to get, like, all the money. It's got to get all the money. Um, so thank you all for listening in, and we'll see you on part two. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.